he decided that he was going to build a temple. He was going to build a temple to God. And his temple was going to be a place where people could come. They could give their sacrifice. It was going to be a place where people could come. They could worship their, their, uh, our father. And uh, this was the most miraculous, most beautiful building in all the land. In fact, we, we can read through scripture that it tells us that people would come all across just to come and see this temple. Just to come and see this place. But then all of a sudden King Solomon died. And the hearts of the people for the Lord had also died off. They became distracted like many of us kind of do in different things. They became distracted about worshiping the one and only true God. And so they began to worship other gods. And so their distraction took place. And what had happened was it caused a delay or, or rather it caused a division between them and God. It, it caused a, a break in their relationship. Now, what we're going to do here, I'm going to look at three bullet points for you, and they're in your bulletin. They'll also be up here. But the first one goes kind of like this. In 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar and his army crushed the southern kingdom of Judah, destroying the temple. Not only was this completely humiliating, destroyed the whole city, but grabbed all these people, and to put to an insult to injury, they destroyed the house where God had dwelt. Stripping away the spiritual identity of the Jewish people. And they're completely devastated. Then we're going to look at our next bullet point here. It says that the Jews were taken into captivity for decades. Specifically, 50 years. However, technically, they were in captivity for 70. But they were, during those first 20, they were still within the, within the city. But for 70 years, because they were already in captivity while before the destruction of the temple. But for 50 years... I'm laying some groundwork here. Bear with me. But for 50 years after the temple and on, they were in captivity. Now, we often miss this. And it's, we have a hard time registering in our minds this whole thing about captivity. So I'm going to try to break it down for you a little bit. Imagine where we live today and the country that we live in right now. And, if, you know, we experience a lot of freedoms. We have so many freedoms. We have freedom of religion. We have freedom of choice in so many aspects we have so many freedoms at our disposal. We're blessed. We really are. But imagine if we were taken over by a foreign country. A country that were to come in and take away our religious freedoms. A country that would come in that would not allow us to vote or, or, or share our opinion. A country that would dictate every aspect of your life. That would be devastating to us. That would be hard for any of us who have already experienced such freedoms... To be able to accept. So what we need to understand here is these people were going through these types of emotions right now. They were going through this type of difficulty. Now, it went on to say that in 538 B.C. about 50,000 were allowed to travel back to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, in order to do something. And that was to rebuild. So here they were for five decades. These people just like you and I, who experienced such wonderful freedoms at one point, who were in captivity, but for 50 years or five decades, they were enslaved. They were told what they can do and what they cannot do. Instruction every single day. People watching over their shoulder continually. Leadership dictating them all the time. 
They didn't have the freedoms that they once had until we see here in 538 B.C. about 50,000 people were then allowed to go back into Jerusalem to rebuild. Finally, after those five decades, the Jewish people went back and they started to rebuild the temple for God. It even says that they built the foundations and they built the altar. Then something important happened. After they had the opportunity to rebuild, after they had the opportunity to reconstruct, we can read in Scripture where the Samaritans came in to oppose what they were doing. And guess what happened? The people stopped building. The people ceased to move forward. This is a great parallel for us in our life. We can take a great example of this story and tie it into us in our own personal lives or even us as a church. What are some of the things that maybe God has called you to do in your life or given you opportunity to do in your life, but the moment opposition came in, you froze, you become distracted, and you stopped moving forward. You see, the title of this message is, The Time Is Now. You see, God gave them a window of opportunity. A window of opportunity to do something great. A window of opportunity to begin to build the altar back. To begin to build the temple back. To do all of this. But the people, the moment opposition came, froze. They stopped. Now, what I want us to take a look at here is that that is the backstory. So let's jump ahead for some 14 years where the people didn't work on the temple. For five decades, all they could think about was building this temple. Understand that. For five decades, 50 years, all they could think about was rebuilding the temple of God. They started building it. They stopped because of opposition. The Bible goes on to tell us the reason that they stopped, not only for the opposition, was that they took their attention away from the temple of God and what God had called them to get into. And drug, they drug their attention to their own personal life and how they could build their homes. They wanted to have lavish homes. They wanted homes to be of beauty. And so the moment opposition came in, it became an excuse. This obviously cannot be of God, because if it was of God, then it would become easy for us to do this. The moment opposition came into their life, they took their attention away from the things of God, and they took their attention on the things of themselves. And the scripture says that they went on to build, but they didn't build the temple. Instead, they began to build their own lavish homes. So we're going to start in verse 2 of Haggai. This is what it says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. He says, these people. Somebody say, these people. Okay, you guys say that one more time. Somebody say, these people. Because it gets kind of funny here in a minute. He says, these people say the time has not yet to come to rebuild the Lord's house. These people are the same time, are the same ones. Think about that. They're the same ones that was in captivity, but yet they say that this must not be the time to build God's house. Watch this. Every other place in Scripture, when God talks about his people, he says, my people. You can see right here God has got an attitude. 
You can see right here that God is frustrated. There's a little bit of anger because he didn't, he didn't in this moment, and in fact, this is one of the only times in Scripture that it's actually said and done. In this very moment, he didn't call them his chosen people. He said, these people have chosen not to build my house. It's kind of like this, you know, those of you, who's married and has kids? Excellent, I got a great example you know, when you come home from work and maybe the spouse, whoever that may be, has been watching the kids all day and the kids have been bad. You know where I'm going to go with this here in a second. They've been horrible. And you walked, or, or maybe you went to an O's game and they had to watch the kids while you're at the O's game enjoying life, having a great time, or hanging out with the fellas, right? Enjoy, I mean, or, or the ladies are hanging out with the other ladies. I don't want to make it too personal here so I don't get in trouble after service. But then, because she's sitting right here, but then you get home and the kids have been horrible. They've been crazy. And you walk through the door and the first thing you hear, your kids. Has anybody been there? I've not. Okay, cool. No, I'm just kidding. All right, cool. Yeah, we've been there. You know, so here we got God saying, you know what? These people. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when God sees Kevin Stanley or or, you know, God sees you, whatever your name may be, all right? I don't want him saying, that person. I want him to say, my child. I want him to say, my son or my daughter. I want him to say, the, 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 the spitting image of me. I don't want God looking at me in the sense of saying, what are you doing? I don't even know... I don't even know who you are anymore. Why are you acting in this manner? Why are you, why? That's what God is doing in this moment. He's going, he's saying, look, every other time it's my people. But right now, no, you, you people, these people have chosen. Why? Because the moment opposition came in, forget about the calling that God gave them. Forget about that. Because that means nothing now. Because their own agendas became more popular and more important than the calling of God. And I can't help but to think how many of us would be labeled right now as these people. Where God has put a, a, a birthing inside of you. God has put something inside of you. God has placed his spirit inside of you. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. And you know what he's saying? The time is now. The time is now. For too long, you have pushed aside the rebuilding of the temple. For too long, you've pushed aside the calling that I've placed on your life. For too long, I've given you opportunity to do things that you've been praying, you've desiring, and that you've wanted. But instead, the moment opposition has come at you, you floundered. The moment opposition has come at you, you said, surely this cannot be. Of God. You see, receiving opposition isn't a sign that God is against us, but rather it's a sign that you're doing what God wants you to do. Why else would the enemy that we talked about, who was sinister, why else that the enemy that we would talked about, who was a planner, who was very strategic, why else than the enemy that we talked about last week, who was very strong, why else would he want to intervene and be a part of your life? If you're doing nothing for God, he wants nothing to do with you. 
But if you're doing for God, he's going to do everything he can to distract you. If there is a plan that God has for your life, God wants to see it through. But the enemy, Satan himself, wants to bring a division. And how is he going to bring a division? He's going to bring it between you and your spouse, you and your children. He's going to bring the division between you and your church. Look around. Our church is growing. Look around. God is doing special things in this place. Why? Why? Because as long as I'm the pastor here, we will build the temple. We will go after God fully in everything. So here's something that we got to tell ourselves when we're faced with the opposition. That we need to choose the right over the easy wrong. With God's help, we need to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. God will enable you. God will provide for you. He will give you the provision that you need. He will give you the tools necessary. Think about this for a second. It would be easy when someone's hurt your feelings to hold a grudge, wouldn't it? To be angry at them. To hold a grudge against them. To despise them. Forget about them for you forgiving them as Christ has forgiven you. But we need to hold and do the hard right over the easy wrong. It's easy to continue to spend more than you have. But yet you want to be out of debt. But yet when you see stuff, you just have to buy it. When you go to the fast food joints, which most of you are probably limited right now because we're on our 21-day fast. Praise Jesus. We're saving money. No, we're not. It's actually more expensive to buy health food. Just a little joke there. You know what was awful? I mean, I, I, this has nothing to do with my message. Yesterday, we took Carter and Caden to the monster truck rally in uh, Salisbury. I'm still trying to get my hearing back. And uh, we're there. And I'm sitting there, you know, and, and, and looking at these big trucks and hearing all this loud noise. And Carter's beside himself. He's so excited. Caden, he don't know what to do. He's kind of scared. And, and all I can do is see people walking around with bags of popcorn, <laughs> smothered in butter, <laughs> cotton candy vendors, and big, tall, ice-cold soap. Praise God. Just, mm. I, I looked at my wife. I said, oh, I'm struggling right now. You know what I mean? But yet we want to say we want to give more in church, but yet we don't have money. Why? Because we're blowing it left and right. Forget about giving the tithe. See, we need to do the hard right over the easy wrong in life. Some of you, your marriage is kind of rocky and relationships are rough and you're too proud to ask for help or to get some assistance. So instead, it's just easy to let things go as they go and you know what, whatever happens, happens. That's the easy way out. The hard way is looking at your spouse. Let's pray together. Let's go to church together. Let's get in the word of God together. Let's do this fast together. Let's, let's ask God that you would be the, the center of our home again. But you know what? It's easy. It's easy to do the hard or to do the easy wrong. But it's hard sometimes for us to make that hard right, isn't it? Hmm.
This is what was happening with the people. It was easy for them to ignore what God was wanting to do. You see, there's unfinished assignments in some of your lives. Think about this for a second. What has God called you to do before or led you or gave you the feeling of or that drive inside to do something, but yet you never fulfilled it? This is the part of the service you're not going to like. This is the challenging part. This is the self-inventory part. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been in the house of God. Thank God you're here today. I'm, I'm thankful for you. Maybe, maybe God has called you to, to be a mentor to, 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 to you know, young males or young females. Maybe God's called you to be a small group leader, which that's coming up soon, by the way. That's my little commercial there for that one. Maybe God's called you to, to, to help in, in, in some other way in this church. Or, you know what, maybe forget about the church aspect. Maybe God's called you to, to be in your work area, to, to be that shining light, that salt to the earth. Maybe God has called you to be that encouragement. But all you can think of is, oh, I don't know what to say. Just open your mouth. He's going to do it. Trust me. I do it every Sunday. <laughs> Scary sometimes. You know, what has God called you to do that maybe you've just dropped, ignored, pushed aside? Maybe you felt like you were supposed to serve. Maybe you were supposed to help a neighbor and you didn't do it. Verse 5 in this passage of Scripture goes on to say, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. He says, Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Previously, he goes on in verse 4, it actually says, It is time for you to live in these paneled houses when my house is left in ruins. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while your house remains a ruin? What I need to explain something here to you is this. This is God speaking. He's very frustrated. He's upset with the people. Kind of like maybe he's upset with some of us. And in that scripture, that word paneled there doesn't mean like that 60s, 70s paneling that's in some homes. He's not talking about that. Actually, that word paneled in, in that day and age meant these homes were of luxury. You know, they had their flat screen TVs. They had their granite countertops, hardwood flooring. They had their front end washer and dryer. Some of you know that joke. Some of you do not. Okay. Ask your neighbor later. All right. They had luxury. And God is challenging them in this moment and says, you are more worried about the luxury in your home than you are about rebuilding my home, my house. We are too worried about our agendas, what our desires are, and what our wants are in our life that we have ignored far too long what God has called you to do. The desires that he has for your life, we pray for it all the time, don't we? God, please, just lead my way. Let me follow your footsteps, Lord. And God is saying, okay, when is enough enough, people? I've laid them out before you, but you choose to go your own path, your own direction. And then you come running to me every time you get messed up. When do we begin to take responsibility on our own? 
At what point do we have to realize that we are labeled as these people? We need to begin to say, God, my prayer now needs to be, God, what is it? I've been so distracted. I'm going to admit that. Forgive me for that. I want, I want now, Lord, to get back on track. What is it, God, you want me to do? What direction, Lord, do you want me to go in? God says, give careful thought to your ways. Before we can move forward, we must begin to think about our ways. What are the ways that we need to change? What are the ways in your life that you need to change? Those spiritual disciplines that I talk about continually, praying, fasting, getting in the word of God. Are these a part of your life? If they are not, I'm going to speak as God is telling you right now. It must become a part of your life. If you want to get on track with what God wants for your life, you must begin to pray, seek him fast, get into his word. It doesn't need to be a seasonable thing. It must be a continual, habitual routine in your life. So our prayer needs to be, God, help me get back into those. Help me get back into those spiritual disciplines. Father, get me back on track. Lord, I don't want to be like these people in Haggai any longer. I've been like them for far too long because I'm missing out on the blessing that you have for my life. I want you to understand something. Every time we ignore God and the calling that he's doing, you're just pushing another day away for his blessings to rain upon you and your family. How much do you love your children? How much? Then why are you stripping them away from the blessings that God has for them? You may say, well, my kids are already grown. It doesn't matter. You're still the spiritual head over them as their parent. The further you continue to ignore the call that God has placed on your life and the desires that he wants for you to do for him, the, the more you continue to push it aside, the more you're pushing aside the blessings that God has for them. Look, I don't know if you agree or not, but that's good stuff. That's stuff that we need to take in and remember every single day. Or single people. We got some single people in here. You ain't married yet. That's what it means. It means you ain't married yet. All right, check this out. Ha. You better be in your word. You better be in prayer. And if you ain't fasting, you need to hurry up and get on board. Because you need to begin to fast and pray and get in the word, not for you, but for the future spouse that God has planned for your life. You want a godly marriage? Start it now before you get married. Begin to seek after God. Lord, you know, right now, I pray for my spouse. I have no idea who they are, but I'm praying for them. Whatever the mess they're in right now, get them out of it. If they're not serving you, Lord, I know they better be because we're not going to be a yoke. We're not going to be divided. Uh-uh. God, right now, begin to pray for them. Watch what God does. You want to see a godly home? Pray for them now. All right, that's all I got for that. I love verse 6. Here's what it says. This is hard, too. You planted much, but you've harvested little. 
You eat, but you never have enough. That's true. <laughs> you drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn right wages. I love this. Only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Does that strike you like it does me? In other words, it's kind of like this. You're working your tail off and you still don't feel like you have anything. You're pouring your life into some career and it just feels empty and hollow. You have more than you've ever had before and you still don't feel satisfied. You entertain yourself. You go to O's games. You go to the movies. You eat out. Yet there's still a longing for something more. What was that scripture? Oh yeah, give careful thought to your ways. Are you putting a house ahead of God's house? Are you putting your own agenda ahead of God's agenda? Are you putting your own desires ahead of God's desires? Verses seven to eight go this way. Give careful thought to your ways. Here's what I want you to do. Number one, I love this. He says this, go up into the mountain. Number two, bring down the timber. And number three, build my house. Thank God he's a loving and forgiving God. 14 years after those 50,000 were allowed to go back into Jerusalem to begin to build that building. You need to understand this. Pay attention. 14 years after this had taken place, and the moment opposition came in, they stopped. They halted. They became scared. They didn't move any further. After 14 years, God reprimands them, tells them what they're doing wrong, and says, but you know what? I'm going to give you another shot. He says, go to the mountain. But God, have you seen the mountain in my life? God, have you seen the struggle that I go through? Lord, how am I supposed to do this when I'm wrapped up in this? God says, go from where you are to where I want you to go to right now. Three steps, go to the mountain. And then he says this, bring down the timber. That's right, that's hard. That means you gotta do something. That means it requires your energy now. It requires you to get involved. And then number three, he says this, build my house. Simple as that, done. That sounds easy, doesn't it? Sounds like a great instruction. But you know what? Where's steps four, five, and six? God, you don't understand. If I don't have the whole detailed plan in front of me, if I can't see the outcome, then why in the world would you expect me to get involved? How can you expect me, God, to move on with this project, with the calling, with the desires, what you've instructed me to do in my life. How can you expect me to move forward? That's what, that's what happened with those people. The moment opposition came in, they gave up. Because why? They couldn't see steps four, five, and six. You see, so many times we look at that and we go, unless I get the whole plan, and some of you are pretty anal about this, unless you get the whole plan, you're not going to do anything at all. And God is saying, that's not how this works. You start doing one, two, and three. Don't worry about four, five, and six. I'm going to make that up later. 
So where is your faith? We don't have faith when we have to have the whole plan laid out right in front of us. We're saying, you know what, God, because I need a whole plan, I can't have faith in you. I can't trust in you. But God is saying, look, this is all I want you to do. You've messed up. I'm going to give you another shot. I'm going to give you another opportunity. Go to the mountain. Bring the timber down and build my house. Don't worry about everything else. I'll take care of it. God's looking at some of you today. He's saying, I've called you to do it. You need to step out. Go to the mountain. The resources you need, the moment you step out, I'm going to give them to you. Bring down the, temple, the, the, the timber. And when you get the resources, start the call. Start doing what I told you to do. Start fulfilling the desire that's there that I have for your life. Don't worry about steps four, five, and six. That'll come later on. Where is our faith at? Where is our trust at? Where? It's only in ourselves. Because the moment opposition comes, we crumble and we fall apart. Think about the things that God has called you to do or, or he's laid on your heart to accomplish that you never fulfill. This is one of those times where I just smack you right in the forehead with it. Or God smacking you right in the forehead with it. He's saying, come on. We've wasted enough time now. We've drawn this thing out a lot further than what it needed to be. There's souls that need to be won. And I want to use you to do it. Some of you have been praying for your spouse to be saved and it's not happened. But yet you're not stepping out. You've not even gone to the mountain yet. Some of you are praying for your kids. But yet you've not stepped toward the mountain yet. Some of you, God has maybe called to, to, to develop a new ministry, but yet you've not stepped toward the mountain. Don't be these people. Be my people. Be my chosen people. Be the ones that, that I love. Be the ones that I'm, I'm there, I'm, I'm going to lead and I'm going to guide. See, the time is now. We've wasted so much time. We've, we've held God off for so long that he's looking at you and I and he's saying, let's do this. Stand with me this morning. God's saying, let's do this. I'm going to give you a redo. Don't you love redos? You know, I remember as a kid playing video games and especially with the old Nintendo system. If I remember the old Nintendo systems, right? You could put like cheat codes up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, B, A, start. That's Akari Warriors. I still remember that. It's implanted in my brain. That's a cheat code that gave me unlimited lives. I don't know why I said that. It just, it's one of those moments. But with God, we got a cheat code, man. It's unlimited. He's saying, let's do a redo. Let's start this thing over. I don't, I don't know what God has laid on your heart to accomplish and to do for him or for your family or, or whatever. 
I don't know the things that maybe you've dropped the ball on. Maybe it's even the spiritual disciplines. I, I don't know. Only you and God know. All I know is, is that the time is now. And you have a golden opportunity to start afresh today. Today. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. There we go again. I got to think about this. Let me, let me hear message two, Pastor Kevin. Here we go again. Message two's got something totally different. Here we go again. God is saying the time is now. It's time to make church a priority again. The time is now. It's time to make reading the word again. The time is now. It's time to, to love your spouse again. <laughs> the time is now. The time to, to be that great example to your children, spiritually. Some of you are great when it comes to taking care of needs, but it's time to step it up spiritually. The time is now. To be that coworker that's gonna to, to share Christ through the example that you're gonna live and through the opportunities that God's gonna open in the doors. The time is now. The ministries are gonna develop from you. You've been inspired. That didn't happen because it's your thought. God developed that inspiration inside of you. The time is now. And that's just the name of you. So my challenge this morning is, who's willing to step up and say, you know what? I got this. Yeah, God, I'm gonna step forward. I'm gonna say, the time is now. Today, the time is now. Today, Lord, the time is now for the new change, the new me. Maybe you just need a new fresher, refresher in your spirit with Christ. Maybe it needs to be one of those rededication moments where you need to go, I got this, the time is now. God, I need to recommit right now. The time is now. I don't know what your time is now moment is, but I'm gonna give you that moment right now. And if that's you this morning, and you realize that you need to step out and say, God, the time is now. I'm gonna ask you to step out from where you are and to come down front here, because I'm gonna pray with you, because I believe that there's some people in this room today who know that the time is now. You've delayed long enough. You've pushed off long enough that the time is now. This is awesome. See, the time is now. Stop, stop pushing away for tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. And there could be people who can miss out on Christ because you were too stubborn or too afraid to step out and say, God, I'm willing to step forward today and to start this thing afresh. God's saying, the time is now. Now, here's what I want to do. For all of you that stepped out, stay right where you're at. But for all of you that are, who, who want to do this, who are there, I want you to step out where you are and come and find someone and begin to pray with them. Because I believe that we are ministers of Jesus Christ. And that we, ha we are the Acts 2 church where we will step in for one another and we will seek after God for our own brothers and sisters.
So I'm encouraging you right now, if you would, come find someone, pray with them, that God is going to use them and develop them and to do great things.
about that. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, we serve you and we praise you. And God, we as a church, first of all, Lord, I have to come to you, Lord, with repentance as this church. Because God, for far too long, we have not fulfilled the desire and the calling that you've placed upon us. So God, this is our prayer as a body right now. Forgive us. Put us back on that path. Maybe walk in your spirit. Maybe trust you in all things. May we, Lord, go to that mountain. May we gather that timber. And maybe, Lord, may we, Lord, begin to build that house again. Because, God, you have great and mighty things in store for us. May we be your servants who are humbled day in and day out. May we, Lord, be the ones that you look about and, and, and not say these people, but say, those are my people. Those are my children. That is my church. So, Father, help us all as we leave this place today to remember this message today that the time is now. It starts now. Today is a new day. Today is a fresh. Today we move forward. So, Father, as we leave this place, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. I love you all. Have a good day.